Hey, good morning. Good Good to see you guys. It's another another bright Sunday out there today. That's going to be a hot one. You guys ready for that? Hey, let's open our Bibles uh, to John chapter 13, first of all. John chapter 13. And then I'm going to want you to also find Hebrews chapter 4. So those two passages, John 13 and Hebrews chapter 4, and we will get started. Last time we looked at, uh, you know, Jesus washing his disciples' feet and, and this whole thing about attitude, the, the attitude of humility and, and then action. He says, you know, that you don't just know about it, you need to do it. You need to put it into action. And... Uh, we began chapter 13, this beautiful passage, really chapters 13 through 17, the, the upper room discourse, really, and as some have called it, the holy of holies. And I was talking to a friend the other day, and he said, then, you know, he said, well, it's like the holy place. And then you get to chapter 17, Jesus' prayer. It's like, then you get really to the holy of holies. But I think, you know, this whole section is very, very powerful But he starts off with this lesson in humility. He was God the Son, he was the Lord and Master, and yet he humbled himself and he took the place of a servant and he washed their feet. He took that lowest place. And and you know what an example it is for you and I to to know that this is what God wants us to do. Be a servant, serve other people. He says if you do them, he said, you'll be happy. This is where joy comes in when we, we're serving people. Uh, one other thing I want to mention about last week, these two different cleansings that he talked about, the, the initial cleansing, really where if you've had a bath, you don't need to have a bath you know, all the time. It, you, know, you need to wash your feet because they get the dirt from the world. But this bath, this, this total washing, when we become uh, saved, when we become born again, and the washing of rebirth, uh, where we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And, and yeah, we do need to be uh, cleansed kind of on a daily basis, but that's from the, you know, the dirt of this world, just being in this world and our, you know, the sins that we still commit and that separates us from God. And we need to like, come back to him and confess our sins. He's faithful and just to cleanse us and, and restore that fellowship that is broken. See, because sin separates, it's a, it's a truth. Sin separates, and so we don't want any separation between us and the Lord. Today's now, it's kind of a sad and a serious lesson in many, many ways. Uh, But let me ask you this. Have have any of you ever been betrayed? Maybe, you know, someone that you trusted, someone that was close to you, turns against you and, and perhaps does you wrong. You know, I was thinking about this uh, in the night where uh, some of my best or worst thinking takes place. Uh, You know, we can be betrayed and, you know, that that is kind of part of it. But sometimes we're the ones that do the betraying, isn't it? And so this is kind of looking at it from both sides. I want you to keep that in mind as we're thinking about this. But if you've been betrayed, how does that feel? 
This isn't all about just, you know, feelings and that, but one of the things that comes out in this section and this, and really this whole discourse, the upper room discourse, is, is the heart of Jesus and how he is, re, you know, reacting, how he, how he does feel and, and the kinds of things that he goes through. So when someone betrays us, it hurts. It hurts. But what I want to say to you today is that Jesus understands and, and he knew that this was going to happen. He knew all along that this was going to happen, this betrayal by Judas. We're talking about Judas here, as you'll see. We haven't read it yet, but he knew that it was going to happen, and yet he was still affected by it. Sometimes we know someone is going to turn against us, and, they, you know, and, and, and sure enough, they do, but we're still affected even though we knew it was going to happen. What I've, what I've thought in, 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 this, in this section here, I've called the darkness of betrayal because it is dark. It's sad. It's, it's a dark thing. But I want to I read first. Keep your hand in John 13. But I want to read first from Hebrews chapter 4 because this is a power, powerful verse. Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses 15 and, and 16, showing us that Jesus does understand. He does know about this, and, and we'll see it in our passage in John 13. But, but look in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. It says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have a high priest who is Jesus, who he totally understands. He's been here. He's been through all the things that this life has to offer. Yet he was without sin. He, he didn't blow it like we do. He didn't, you know, overreact. He never betrayed anybody. You know, there's some uh, things that he did not do. But he knows what this is all about. And, and he, he felt it. He, he, he experienced it to the very depths of, of his, his being, as we'll see. So all the things that you and I face, all the things in this life, and maybe betrayals of, of people that have betrayed us, or maybe even when we have betrayed others, we can go directly to him. And in fact, he asks us to. And we can receive mercy, and we can find grace to help us in our time of need. That's a powerful, powerful thing. So let's go back to John 13 now and pick it up where we left off. In verse 18, he's just washed their feet. And he says in verse 18, I am not refer uh, referring to all of you. I know those whom I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel to me. He was talking a little bit earlier in chapter 13. Uh, he was saying, you know, he knew uh, those that, that were clean and those that were not clean and, and, and speaking about one that would betray him. He says, I'm not referring to all of you. I know not all of you are going to betray me in that same fashion. But he says, I know those whom I have chosen. The interesting thing about this is that he chose all 12. He chose all 12. And he knew each one. He knew their hearts, and he knows every one of our hearts as well. 
Why do I say that he chose all 12? It says back in chapter 6, Jesus said these words. He said, have I not chosen you the 12? Yet one of you is a devil. One of you is a demon. In John chapter 6, it also says this. There were, yet there are some of you who do not believe. It says, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. So we had, Jesus chose this group and he knew every one of them, but he knew everything about them. But there was one, in that, one of their number, that this man Judas, he, he was not a true believer. He said, there are some of you who do not believe. And he says, in earlier in chapter 13, he says, one of you is not clean. He hasn't, been, he hasn't had that bath to be washed all over, to be forgiven and become a true follower of Jesus Christ. I find that interesting. You've got this group of 12 uh, men who have been with Jesus how long now? A long time. We're now, we're, we're now in the, again, this, this section here, this is like, you know, around 24-hour period of time. We're coming up to the, you know, the, the end here. The cross is, is nigh. It's very close. But, but all this previous time before, Judas is there. Jesus chose him, said, come and follow me. And he was one of the 12 apostles. But he says, this is to fulfill the scripture who, he who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Again, even the scripture had foretold that this was going to happen. And this is, is uh, coming back from Psalm 41. But, but the, the concept here he's talking about that it was someone close to him. It was someone very close to him. And isn't it true that, that the, the, the worst betrayals that we have are the people that are the closest to us? Is that true? It's, it's pretty hard to betray, be betrayed by somebody you don't even know. I mean, they might, you know. But those people that are close to us, very close to us, someone wrote this, to eat bread together was a mark of close fellowship. They, they shared bread together. This quotation that Jesus is quoting Old Testament scripture, which is powerful as well. But it says this, Psalm 41, my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. This is the verse that Jesus is quoting. My close friend. There was a, a relationship that Jesus had with Judas. David also in Psalm 55 has a passage speaking about this kind of thing. He says, if an, enemy, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. It was somebody close to him that had betrayed him, that turned against him. And this is what hap is happening here now in John chapter 13, speaking about, G, about Judas. Notice it says this, that he who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Two things about that. One, uh, some believe maybe it's speaking like when a horse would lift up his heel. What is he getting ready to do? 
He's getting ready to kick, right? He's going to kick you. But, but the other thing about this, Jesus had just washed Judas's feet, isn't true? And part of his foot was his heel. So he had just washed uh, Judas's feet, and now Judas lifts up his heel against Jesus, the one that was very close to him. Look at verse 19. It says, I am telling you now, before it happens, so that, that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. Jesus said that these things I'm telling you so that you would understand and know who he is. The construction of that sentence really, the he was added for clarity, for understanding. But it really would say something so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am. Again, that's a statement of the deity of Jesus, that he is Yahweh, the Lord God, the mighty God. And so he's the one who who Judas is raising up his heel against. But look at verse 21. It it kind of now focuses in on this, this passage here. Verse 21, it says, After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit. And he testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to betray me. Look at, it says Jesus was troubled in spirit. That's why I said this is kind of a serious, sad passage. Jesus, you know, this word means to be stirred, agitated, troubled inside, this inward commotion. Like he was stirred up about this. It really affected him. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And so he, he knew how things felt. He knew what was going on. He knew. Two previous times in the gospel, it, it speaks about this. The first one was, was in chapter 11, and it was over Lazarus. It, he was troubled by this fact that Lazarus had died, and, and, and all the emotion of the sisters and all that was going on, even though he knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. Chapter 12, it it uses that term again, that Jesus was troubled, but it's more this this coming to the place of the cross. He was troubled by it. He was stirred up by it. He was agitated, the the cross and, and what that was going to cost and what that meant. But here now we see it in chapter 13. It's by the betrayal of a friend, by someone close to him. I believe, I I really believe this, that he loved Judas. I really believe that. He didn't just put up with him. He really loved him. And I think one of the things he was troubled about was for Judas's sake because he knew the path that Judas was taking. He knew that knew where he was heading. He, you know, really upset him, really bothered him. This man Judas, who had heard all the words that he said for all this period of time, these three years. He said, one of you is going to betray me. Of course, he knew exactly who it was. Verse 6, though. Excuse me, not verse 6. Verse 22. It says his disciples stared at one another. At a loss to know. At a loss to know which of them he meant. If there's any... 
humor in this passage is probably this. His disciples, they're now, Jesus makes this statement, one of you is going to betray me, and they're staring at each other. They're completely at a loss. They don't have a clue. Jesus had said something, so they're looking to each other to find the answer. That, that is never going to help. They're looking to each other to kind, of, to kind of determine, maybe it's that one. Maybe you're the guy. But it also says in the other Gospels that they, they begin to say, Lord, is it me? And even Judas said that. Lord, is it me? And, and it says that they were saddened by it. Is it me that would, that would betray you? Do you think, though, that maybe they suspected one or the other? Maybe Judas was a suspect, maybe not. I don't think they did. They didn't have a clue. They didn't, they didn't really get it. And, and I, think, I think that that's kind of true for us, too, as disciples. Sometimes we, we're at a loss. We, we don't have a clue. That's why it says in Proverbs 3, 5, to to not lean on our own understanding because how often is it that we don't understand? What is it that we understand? When we start to think, oh, I, I got this, I understand this now, let me, let me go. Let me, let me take it from here. That's when we get into trouble. The disciples, they were at a loss. Verse 23, let's see if we can figure this out. One of them, the disciple who the disciple whom Jesus loved, and who was that? John. And again, we, we looked at this at the very beginning of John. I don't think John was boasting. In fact, he doesn't even use his own name here. I think he was just blown away by the fact that he knew that Jesus loved him. That's something for us to, to, to know, that just to know that Jesus loves me. John knew that. I'm a, I'm, I'm a disciple. I'm someone that Jesus loves. It says he was reclining next to him, next to Jesus. And Simon Peter motioned to this disciple, to John, and he said, ask him which one he means. Which one is the one that's going to betray? So leaning back against Jesus, and they kind of lean around in a circle, and, and John was the, you know, to the right, so to speak, of Jesus, So he kind of leaned back against Jesus and he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, and probably quietly so that John could, could hear, he said, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. And then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. He gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. Now we'll see as we go on, you know, John still didn't quite, quite get it at that point in time. He did later, he certainly did later as he, as he writes these words down for us. But the way that, the way that people were kind of laid out around the table, it, it, it's kind of, it was kind of a pecking order. So, so John was to the right of of Jesus and, and Judas would be kind of to the left of Jesus to his other side and, and that was considered the place of honor. So Judas now has this place of honor and, and, and I wonder, you know, did Jesus pick the order here? That he wanted to reach out to Judas in some, some fashion, some way? 
Some feel that, that even this, this passing of the bread, passing of this to Judas was like a final appeal. Like one more time, Judas, you don't have to go this route. You don't have to go this way. Verse 27, as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What a statement that is. Someone said one of the most terrible expressions in the scriptures, and I would have to agree. That's why I say this is a dark, the darkness of betrayal, this darkness of this whole situation, what's happening here. And and as soon as he took that bread, he made that decision, I'm going to take it. It says Satan entered into him. Earlier in chapter 2, it says the devil had put it into, the, into his heart to betray Jesus. And it was, you know, it was like step by step to sing. You know, it, we don't always fall just one, you know, big step. It's usually the little steps that take place that, that get us to where we end up. And, and Judas, you know, he's... You know, Satan was putting it into his heart and, and, and step by step. And now he takes this step and it says that Satan actually entered into him. Now, as I've said many, many times, and this is so important to know that, that Satan himself is a created being. He's not omnipresent like, you know, God is. He can't be in a bunch of places. He can't, like the Holy Spirit, you know, inhabits, you know, the hearts of his people. The same Holy Spirit that's in me is in you. Satan can't do that. He can only be in one place at one time. And he is a spiritual being. So it's, so it's radical here that he actually himself, Satan himself, enters into this man Judas Iscariot. And look what happens. Look where it goes. Someone said this, as he shut his heart to Christ, he opened it to the devil. As he shut his heart to Christ, he opened it to the devil. You know, saying no to Christ is almost, is, is equivalent to saying yes to the world and yes to the devil. I don't know if you don't realize that. If you say no to Jesus, that's the same. But what was his motivation? Where is he at in all of this? We, we don't totally no, but we do know some things about this man, Judas. We do know that greed was one of his motivations, right? Uh, you know, when, when Mary, you know, had the ointment, poured it on, all over Jesus' feet, what did he say? What did he say? Hey, we should have sold that so we could have, you know, made a lot of money, and that was just a waste of money. But, but it says that he used to, because... He used to just help himself to whatever was in the bag. He was like the treasure, and so he just helped himself to whatever was there. Was it his only motivation? I don't know, but we do know that he sold himself out for 30 pieces of silver. There certainly are many passages in the Scripture that warn us about the lure of greed and of money that it that takes us. So Paul talks about it in 1 Timothy 6, you know, beware of that, he says. 
you know, that some have departed from the faith going after riches, going after money, going after to be rich, to be, you know, have a lot. Be careful. That, that, that's a trap that I think we all have to be very careful of. But Judas, he sold himself to the devil now for 30 pieces of silver. And it's, it's just a horrible, horrible thing that's happened here. It goes on to say this. Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Even John, who had just had, had told him those words, maybe Judas had also heard those words about it was the one that the, that the bread would be passed to. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said to them, said this to him, since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. They thought Jesus was just sending him out on an errand. Again, what, what did they know? Not very much. And Judas had really deceived all the rest of the disciples. Is that radical to think that somebody within this circle of 12, and it wasn't like 500 where, you know, somebody might be in the crowd that's, you know, a deceiver and tricking everybody. This is a small group of 12 people, and they were all tricked. They were all deceived. He was not a true believer. He was not a true follower of Jesus. He wasn't washed. And he had this whole agenda thing that was happening. Is it possible in even a group of our size? Absolutely. It's a warning. Matthew Henry, the, the commentator from a few hundred years ago, he says there's a mixture of bad with good in the best societies. A Judas among the apostles, it will be so until we come to the blessed society into which shall nothing enter unclean or disguised. When we get to heaven, when there, everything will be open and clear and out in the, you know, for all to see. He says, all that eat bread with Christ are not his disciples indeed. There are people that come, they go to churches, they, they have communion on a regular basis, but they're not even born again. They're not, they don't have a relationship. They don't have eternal life. That's a very serious thing, isn't it? Finally, in verse 30, says this, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And it was night. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And it was night. I don't know about you, but I read those words. It was night. He went out. He left. What did, what, what did he leave? He left the light. He left the light of the world and he went out. It's no wonder it was night. No wonder it was so dark. John the Apostle writes a lot in his gospel about this conflict between light and darkness. And, and this is just one example of it. He, he left the light and he went out and it was dark. It was night. Someone points this out 
It's more than a time note. It's not just telling us that it's nighttime, but it's picturing the darkness of Judas's soul. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are in the darkness. With no relationship with the, the light of the world, our souls are full of darkness. That's just the way it is. That's what the Bible makes you know, very, very clear. Someone else said this. It was night spiritually for Judas. A night of gloom and remorse that would never end. Wow. He said it's always night when men turn their backs on the Savior. It's always night. The darkness of betrayal. See what I mean about this passage? This is heavy, isn't it? This is is deep. This is stuff we need to be thinking about and, and, and realizing that apart from Jesus, there's only darkness. But I, but I was thinking about this also in the night and, and, and getting back to this idea of betrayal when you know, we've been betrayed and perhaps even when we betray others, what do we do? Where do we go? Where is this passage leading to? It's leading to the cross. Really, the, the only answer, the only answer is to forgive and to be forgiven. To forgive and to be forgiven. And, and that's found, the power for that is found at the cross. To forgive those that hurt us deeply, that's the only, that's the only place of freedom and light. If we dwell on it and let it, let it consume us, there's only darkness. If we have betrayed others, we need to go to Jesus, that passage I started with, Hebrews chapter 4, to find mercy and grace to help us. We go to him to be forgiven. Forgiveness is one of the most powerful things in all the world. And it starts at the cross. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come, we we think of Jesus, your son, who was there in that upper room and And there with 12 that he loved, that he uh, says that he showed them the full extent of his love by washing their feet, by going to the cross. And and you loved each and every one, but yet this man, Judas, he turned his back and walked away. And how dark is that? Lord, I pray that that we would turn towards you in the light of the world and that we would keep our eyes on you and, and not the darkness of this world, the darkness of sin, the darkness of, uh, of the enemy. There's nothing there for us. But all the joy, all the life, all the hope is found in you, Jesus, the light of life. So we turn to you today, Lord. We, I, know, I know many of us have been hurt deeply and, and betrayed and by people that we trusted, people close to us. Lord, help us to forgive. Help us to let those things go into your gracious hands. 
that we wouldn't carry them. Perhaps we've hurt others. Maybe we need to be forgiven. I know we, we can come to you, Lord, and, and ask for that forgiveness, and you give it to us freely, freely. You said that we should forgive others as we ourselves have been forgiven. Father, I pray for any here today as we close that, that need the light. Maybe you're in the darkness right now. Maybe you don't know Jesus on a personal, on a real basis. You can ask him into your life and ask the light of the world to come into your soul, into your very heart of hearts and say, Jesus, please, I'm lost. It's dark. I'm so dark. I need light. I need life. Please, please, please come in today, right now. Wash me, cleanse me, save me today, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?